Y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Amen. Hey, this morning, I just want to read from the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there with us. And and uh, just want to kind of just go right into that this morning. And it says this, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, And I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray you just bless this moment. Lord, that you open up our ears, you open up our eyes. Lord, open up our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. This, this morning, I just want to continue as I'm preaching in the book of Exodus and just kind of preaching along with our Bible reading plan. I, I couldn't move just past this, this burning bush incident because I think it's significant for today, for the church today. You, you know, it's like sometimes we read the Bible and we, we read this, ish, this, this story of something 3,500 years ago, but in reality, this is speaking so loud to us today because how many of you know that that now we are the people of promise and, and I'm just preaching through this series and or this theme I don't like series I like themes because I, I'm just too scatterbrained I think to preach an actual series one of these days maybe but I, I like to lean upon the Holy Ghost when I'm preaching so it's like you know God just God's not schizophrenic I'm just ADD so I mean my sermons get they, they kind of go from place to place But I believe that today God is reminding us that we are his people. We are the people of promise. Come on, how many of you know that you have a promise on your life? How many of you know that God has a plan for your life? How many of you know that God has a plan for the church? How many of you know the church ain't dead? God ain't dead. Come on, we have a mission on this earth. And and, and if you're waiting on someone else to accomplish it, it's never going to be accomplished because God is waiting on you. If you're waiting on a move of God, wait no longer. God has moved. He's waiting on you. Last week we talked about how God is using us to radically steward the things that he's given us. And and today I want to talk about radical obedience. I want to talk about radical obedience. And, And because we realize that we're the people of promise for this generation and God is calling us out. How many of you know the book of Exodus simply means this? It means a way out. I mean, we actually get the word exit from the book of Exodus. It's that, it's that Greek term, a way out. 
And, and I believe that God is giving the church a way out. I want you to hear me this morning that, that we're not just going back to church as usual. You know, we came through this incredible time of pandemic and change and online and, and different things. God is shaking up the church as normal. And I don't want to go back to that, to that old place. I don't want to go back to those Pentecostal roots. I want to begin to see the Pentecostal fruits of what God is doing in our community today. And let me tell you, I'm going to come down here because y'all ain't getting excited enough this morning. Okay? Y'all ain't getting excited enough this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating God to raise up a group of, of believers that are just so hungry for the, for the things of God that they'll begin to step out of, of this place of uncertainty. They'll begin to step out of this place of pandemic. I, I mean, God is waiting for someone to come with us. Come on, people. God is calling the church out in this season. Come on, we, we, we've looked to science. We've looked to doctors. We've looked to governments. We've looked everywhere for the solutions to God, to the world's problems. But friend, let me tell you, the solution is right within the pages of this book. But more importantly, the solution is right within your heart if you are born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost believer. You're the solution. I'm going to get a few of y'all, man. We're going to have to get on this thing this morning. But, but I believe that God is calling us to radical stewardship. He's calling us to change. He has given us this gift, this gift of salvation. And the question I ask is, what are you doing with it? Man, I remember that, that moment 20 years ago where I came and gave my heart to Jesus. And it's like every day since, God, Jesus, I'm a bondservant to Christ. Well, I, I freely, every day for me is a gift. Every day I owe to him because I should have died 20 years ago. I should still be locked up in jail or dead in a grave. Every day belongs to him. What am I doing with it? And I talked about last week this idea of radical. And that idea of radical simply means this. It means being very different from usual or traditional. Right? I mean, friends, God is calling us to be very different. I, I don't mind being known as that church because, man, every church should be that church. We are a peculiar people. And if you ain't okay with being peculiar, you may not okay with being Christian because we're not of this world. We are foreigners and sojourners in this world. Our home is in heaven. Our king is on the throne, not of this world. Be weird. Be radical. A another... Another idea of radical is favoring extreme changes in existing views, habits, conditions, or institutions. And let me tell you, we need to become radical in the church. We need to have a, a perspective that we apply our stewardship to change, not just to the same. Man, we, we, instead of just complaining about all the crime on a specific side of town, go move there. Go plant a church there. Go begin to minister there and become radical in your faith. I'm not saying that we don't pray, but the book of James says, you know, don't just, you know, someone, you see somebody cold and naked, don't just say, hey, brother, I'll be praying for you. He says, no, give them a coat. Give them a jacket. Give them some food. This is the essence of our faith. Radical. And stewardship is simply the, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Man, God changed and transformed your heart when he saved you. And, and he put something alive and new in you. And you're going to put some junk on TV. Well, we need to begin to steward our hearts, steward the things that God has given us. And I want to talk this morning about radical obedience. And this is, this is what the word obedience means, right? So it's keep in mind radical and then think about this in the terms of obedience. Obedience is this. Compliance with an order, a request, or law, or submission to another one's authority. Right? I'm going to say that again. Compliance to an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. Let me just say this really quick, because I know you're all thinking the same thing, that obedience is one of those things that most of us really struggle with. Oh, man, y'all are, I'm sorry, I thought, I'm preaching to a bunch of church folks who are self-righteous. I, I mean, if you don't struggle with, let me give you some signs that you might struggle with obedience, okay? These are just a few signs. I wrote them down this morning. I'm sure there's other signs that you may struggle in obedience. If you say things like, who in the world do they think they are? 
then you might struggle with obedience, right? If you say things, I'm a 40-year-old man or a 50-year-old man or a 60-year-old woman or whatever, I can make my own decisions. I can live my own life. Then you might struggle with this issue of, of obedience, right? If you've ever said, okay, I've already paid my dues. Well, have you all said this stuff, man? I'm like, man, people tell me to do stuff all the time. I'm like, uh, who do they think they are, man? Like telling me, I'm the, don't they know I'm the pastor? I'm, I've already cleaned the toilets. Well, I still clean the toilets from time to time. Monica fusses at me, but. Or if you've said this, maybe you said this about, about oh, they're just being legalistic. You might struggle with obedience. I mean, there are some things that I actually love to do, but if people tell me that I have to do them, that I don't love to do them anymore, right? That just means I'm rebellious. I have this rebellious spirit, right? It's like, it's almost like I was driving 45 until I saw the speed limit sign, so I just sped up to 50. Come on, somebody. Am I the only person that struggles with a little obedience from time to time? I, I, I mean, I think we all have this issue, you know? It is something that we need to really grab hold of because God is calling the church to radical obedience. Let me just tell you this. If, if you're not okay with, with someone telling you to, that you need to read your Bible, that you need to pray, that you need to call somebody, if you're not okay with someone saying you need to get to the altar and, and, and pray and confess your sins to the Lord, if you're not okay with that, then why in the world do you think God would trust you to go international with that ministry? of disobedience. We've got enough of that. Come on, why do you think God's going to use you to bring that ministry of disobedience to the jail? Uh, come on, I believe God's calling us to radical obedience. In fact, Jesus says, if you become faithful with the what? The paquito things. I don't know the right say. The little things, and he'll be, he, he will give you what? He will let you make you ruler over much. I mean, it's when the church grabs hold of this idea that we need to steward what God has given us well, and we need to become radical in our obedience. When God says go, we say, yes, sir. Our first intuition is always no. I'll just say that every time God tells me to do something, I say, but God, instead of saying, but God. Oh, yeah, because you mean that. But I want to talk a little bit just about Moses because I believe Moses is this perfect image of leadership. And he's just so encouraging to me because Moses was a real guy. It's like, you know, I mean, I love Jesus, but I love Moses. I love the story and, and all that. But Moses' name literally means drawing out, right? Because God tells Moses, if you look in, in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, he says, he says, come now, therefore, and I will send you. Y'all were supposed to say you. So I'll say it again. Come, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but this is what I want to I just want to do this. Say, say, come, therefore, and I want you to point at your neighbor and say, God is sending you. Come on, point at somebody in the back of the room and say, God is sending you. You see, I, I believe that God is calling the church out in this season. He is saying to the church that he is sending us in, in this, the midst of this pandemic. And it's time for the church to get out of our comfort zone. Because I believe when God was talking to Moses in this burning bush incident, incident that he was kind of in this comfort zone. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But God's calling us out of our comfort zone. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God's calling you out of your comfort zone. In fact, if you're sitting next to me next week, I'm going to call you out on it. Go move somewhere else. Get out of your comfort zone. I'm just kidding. But we fall into these patterns, into these routines of just comfort. And, and, and as soon as God tells us to do something, say, but God, I'm over here. I'm doing this ministry. God may call you to the prayer ministry, but Lord, I'm on the worship team. I'm already doing my part. I, we're good. So I want to talk about just a few lessons that we can learn from the from the life of Moses. I have four points this morning, so that way, if you're one of those that keep a, an eye on the time, I, I just want you to have four points 
this morning. It goes back to that book I read about preaching. You just got to have points, right? So I have some four points. I want just some lessons that we can learn. Because how I many know we need to steward the next move of God in this, in this season? I mean, it's like we're waiting on some YouTube pastor to do it. We're waiting on some mega church pastor to do it. Friends, revival is here. Revival is now for this church. If you want to see change in your community, and we need to see change. I mean, we need to see change. If you want to see change, then you need to get off of your laurel and get at the work that God's called you to do. God is calling you. Man, I don't know what that poster would look like. I need you to pray for this community. My, f- my first point, for, this is point number one, is God can use anyone. If we're going to steward this this next move of God, if we're going to steward what God is doing right now in the earth, we need to have this understanding that, for one, God can use anyone. Come on, I want you to say this. Say, God can use me. Uh, prophetically, I need everybody to say, God can use me. You need to say that to yourself as much as the person next to you needs to hear it. But the devil needs to hear that come out of your lips because he may think that you've already been defeated. He may think that you've already passed your prime. But I'm here to say that, no, God can use anyone at any time in any capacity that he wants to. Moses wasn't like the the perfect candidate for this task that God gave him. He wasn't the perfect candidate. He was... In Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, and, or we, I mean, we read about Moses. He was, he was born of, of a Hebrew, and in fact, the enemy had an assignment to take out his life before he even came into this world. Realize that, that the enemy wants to abor- abort your mission before you even hit the go button. It's like when we start walking and stepping into ministry, you can be sure that you're going to face oppression. You're going to be sure that you're going to face struggles. Let me tell you, these past few months, I have been hitting my head against the spiritual wall, it feels like. But I know that God is doing something in this community, and the devil ain't happy about it. And I ain't going to stop. Because I know that God has called me out. And the enemy has a has an assignment on my life in the same way that the enemy had an assignment on Moses. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, 16, it says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of the midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill it. If it is a daughter, then you shall and she shall live. You see, see, the enemy had put an assignment already on, on Moses' life. It's like the enemy knew that God was fixing to do something supernatural, and, and he wanted to try to stop it. I mean, it's no different than even when we look in the New Testament. King Herod, he, he said, we're going to go and kill all the children that were born between the ages of, of newborn and two years old in the city of Bethlehem. Why? Because the enemy's always trying to abort the mission that God has assigned to you. But I just want to encourage you today that, that the world may have us try to believe a lie, but I want you to know that the church is not defeated. Man, I mean, I look at the results and the reviews, and you see this declining church population. And what I see is not a declining church population. I see a great pruning within the church where God is moving and removing all of the fluff and all of the things that we don't need so we can be a mighty army that moves forward into this next generation. The church is not defeated. Jesus is coming back. I mean, you know, I, I know there's been these prophecy people and they say Jesus has come back on this day and so forth and so on. Hey, I get all that, but don't get discouraged just because we haven't seen it. Don't mean it ain't happening yet. Don't believe the lie that the enemy tries to put in front of us to abort the mission that God has called us to. God. He wants to use us. All is not lost. And the the lie that that God can use, I mean, that the devil can use to try to discourage you at abort mission is that, and I just want to say this, that you are more than enough. Man, maybe God's called you. I don't know what to say. You're more than enough. God will give you the words to say. Come on, maybe you want to start a ministry and you think, well, I don't know if I have it all together. That's okay. Moses didn't have it all together. God can use anyone. He will use anyone. I can tell you story after story after story of people who accomplished great, wonderful, amazing things for the kingdom of God who were like totally not qualified. One of them standing up here on this platform right now. 
I have no business pastoring this church. I mean, thank you, Brother Danny, for just sharing the, our rich heritage of just amazing, wonderful leaders, Pastor King and Pastor Headley and Pastor Tommy and then Pastor Joe. You almost have to say it with that tone. It's like, my goodness, God, you can't use anybody. Amen. You see, Moses, he grew up with identity issues, and we all have these identity issues because we're living between two realities. We know we're saved on the inside, but we're still living in this world. Moses grew up in the Pharaoh's house, but he saw his people struggling. He saw them hurting. And we, I mean, you turn on the news and you can see the devastation that's happening all around us, and we want to do something, but we don't know what to do. And we feel powerless. And we may not have the pedigree of a king. And we may not have the education of a scholar. We may not have the influence of a dignitary. But what God has put in you is greater than what God has put into the world. Come on, how many of y'all realize that God can use anybody? It's never too late. He can use us all. It's not, you know, I don't mean to sound cliche. It, like that whole thing, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I mean, that's partially true, but it applies here. Great. So we'll use it. It, it. Because it's like God doesn't just pick you because you have all this education and knowledge and experience. He can still pick those people. That's why it's only a partial true statement. He does call the qualified from time to time. I mean, he called Jesus, right? So, so, but, he, but I'm just saying he can use anybody and he can, wants to use you. If God puts it in your heart, I mean, let me just tell you, he's already made a way for you. And I'm not just trying to be this hyper-excited, encouraging message, but I believe that the devil tries to use doubt to destroy the assignment of God on your life. So point number, number one is, is firstly that uh, God can use anyone because he used Moses, and we learned that from his story. And then point number two is failure doesn't define you, it refines you. Point, point number two, failure doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define you. Failure actually just refines you. Because how many of you realize Moses, God put something within Moses, a calling of a liberator, a calling of a deliverer of God's people. And the thing is, is when we try, and listen to me close, this is important. And not that the rest of this isn't important, but this is something that's important because I feel like this is really applicable within this particular moment in time. That when we try to fulfill the calling of God that He's placed on our lives, before we're ready, sometimes people get hurt. You see, in verse 11 of chapter 3, it says that Moses went to his brethren and he looked at their burdens and he was moved and he saw the cruelty of the Egyptians on the Hebrew people and he rises up and it says that he actually takes the life of one of the Egyptians and he and then he hides it in the sand. And, and it was like, see, God put something within Moses that, that maybe Moses didn't understand. It was something that was supernatural from God. But he tried to walk in his office of liberator, of, of savior. He tried to walk in his office of deliverer before God had prepared his heart to walk that out. That's a good word. You see, because I feel like sometimes when we get involved in ministry, you know, and we try to do good, and we hide, we hide behind this veil of, I'm just trying to do the Christian thing, people begin to notice our problems even when we don't notice them noticing. You see, Moses had a problem. He was mad, man. He was mad, and he murdered an Egyptian, and, and he thought he got away with it. He's, okay, okay, God, I didn't quite do that right. I'm going to hide it. Nobody saw, I'm just going to go about my business. And he walks over here and he sees two Hebrew people fighting. Because how many of y'all, when y'all get called in a church ministry, it's okay when the enemy's fighting against the church, but y'all ever come across people in the church fighting with one another? I think people in the church fight more than people out of the church. Uh, that'll be a message for another day. But Moses is like, man, what are y'all doing, guys? Don't y'all know that we're supposed to love each other? We're supposed to get along with each other? And, and all, he tries to take this self-righteous approach. Don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all all done it before. And you're like, brother, you know, you don't need to be mad at that, brother. And then that Hebrew said, 
Well, didn't we just see you kill an Egyptian and bury him in the sand? What you up to, man? Didn't we see you lose your cool in Costco the other day? Didn't, didn't you just yell at your kids in, in McDonald's the other day? Who do you think you are trying to correct me? You see, Moses had this perspective. He had a calling, but he wasn't ready to walk it out yet. See, I believe that God has a call on your life, but that doesn't mean that you're ready to walk it out. I mean, I mean think about it. I mean, I have kids in my house. I won't say Nathan's name publicly, but... Look, I'm telling you, that dude is a genius. He can argue and make a case. And like he, ha like he will be some attorney lawyer. Nathan, are you on the camera? Good. He'd be like turning the camera to the wall. But like I know he's got this calling in his life. I mean, many people have a calling of a, of a lawyer. They have this, the compassion of a doctor. Or, or maybe, they're, maybe they're like, hey, I want to be an electrician or a plumber and all these other things. But it's like, it's not like I just woke up one day and said, God, I think I need to be an electrician, so I'm going to show up at the, at the electrician place and just sign up for work. They're going to hire me, and I'm going to go wire a house. I mean, like you're going to kill somebody. Or I'm going to be, a, God has called me to be a doctor. He's put this calling on my life. And so I need to do, so I'm going to be a surgeon, and I think that God is going to use me. I'm going to hear from the Holy Ghost. I'm going to cut people open and transplant hearts, man. He's put that in me. I'm going to show up to, to Lord's tomorrow, and I'm just going to do that. Come on. How, I mean, how, how ridiculous does that sound? Because sometimes just because we have a calling doesn't mean we're ready to walk it out. Moses had a calling on his life as a liberator. He tried to do it a little prematurely, and people just get hurt. But then when we get to church, we're like, oh, but God has called me to be a prophet. God has called me to be an evangelist. I am going to lay hands on the sick and they shout. He did call you to all that stuff. But you need to put yourself into submission, into authority under some righteous leader and let God begin to work on your heart and change you and transform you. Friends, if you're not willing to be under submission of leadership, you're not ready to be in ministry. I preach it. See, because in this case, Moses messed up, and God said, okay, Moses, you, you've proven. So Pastor Joe will have some point in 3,500 years for his sermon. We got that out of the way. Now we're going to start this training process. So what does God do? Now keep, keep it in mind, Moses is 40 years old, and God sends Moses to the land of Midian. It says, and he sat under his father-in-law for 40 years. It says, it says we're back in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he did that for 40 years. You see, God sent Moses to Midian for 40 years before he can be trusted with a new assignment. God said, I'm going to put your gift on the shelf. I'm going to put your calling on the shelf because we need to temper the vessel." Man, y'all ever tried to drink coffee out of an untempered mug? It's a disaster. Point number three. Point number three. Don't allow your disappointment to keep you from God's divine appointment. Well, point number three. Don't allow your disappointment to keep you from God's divine appointment. You see, you see, Moses lived kind of this life of, of disappointment. He was, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He messed up with the Egyptians. He messed up with the Hebrews. And now he's sitting out here for 40 years tending someone else's sheep. And you see, I believe that that disappointment compounds. So, and I was explaining this. Was that me and Pastor Desmond? We might have been talking about this. But like, disappointment compounds and I think we don't realize that in our own life so maybe this will help you out a little bit today but how many of y'all have like investments in a bank that you're hoping that's there when you retire go vote and um, I'm just saying really really but 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 you have those investments you put money in every month or every week or however you put your money in and that 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 money begins to stack on top of its, itself and then as so if you put in a hundred dollars one week and it has five percent interest and you have a hundred and five dollars and if you put in another hundred dollars now that's 
that's a $205 in that interest. It's called compounding interest. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, well, this appointment has a compounding effect as well. And sometimes we don't realize that. So maybe we get disappointed in a relationship and we say, I'm going to move on. But let me tell you that disappointment is still there. Then you start stacking disappointment on top of disappointment on top of disappointment. And it has this compounding effect where next thing you know, we have totally forgotten about what God has called us to do because we live in this world of disappointments. But you see, Moses, he has this turning point and it's, it's this turning point. It's a burning bush. Moses is tending the flock of Jethro. I mean, in the midst of serving someone else's vision for 40 years. I mean, I don't know. 40 years just seems like forever because I'm only like 30, you know, so I'm, I'm older than that. I'm 43. But 40 is like a long time. I mean, Moses is raised in, I mean, think about that. He was raised in Pharaoh's palace. I mean, he had all the best of the best of the best. That dude had a PS4 before they even came out. You know, I mean, he was lit. That's a PlayStation for all you old people. All the old people are like, what's that? It's PlayStation 4. It's just a joke. They didn't have PlayStation 4s. Y'all know what I'm saying. He had the nicest chariot on the block, right? He had the chariot with the, with the wheels. When you stopped, the chariot wheels kept spinning, you know? I mean, this was, this was Moses growing up. And, and he's living this life of, of luxury, and he has this mistake, and he's cast out into this place for 40 years, and, and he's walking around tending the flock of another man's sheep. And we're going to find out in the book of Exodus that actually sheep herders, shepherds in the land of Egypt were an abomination they were like outcasts, and they were like the lowest of the low, low. And it's like God is just saying, Moses, watch this. I'm going to take you from the place of prominence to the place of lowest, low, low, low. And you're working and, and, and operating and functioning under the ministry of another person for 40 years. And you're out there tending sheep. I mean, the smell, the stench. And then there's the sheep, you know. It's like, it, it's just, it's loneliness in the wilderness. And I can just imagine that, that Moses is feeling this sense of insignificance and powerlessness being now 80 years old and feeling like, man, God, time has passed me by. I, I mean, I can almost sense this dread and disappointment in Moses. And then it's like in this moment that God reveals himself to Moses. And I mean, how many of y'all, man, you just get to this point of, so much disappointment. God can show up at church and we're just sitting on the back with our hands like this. Like, God, I ain't forgiven that dude. He, or God, I ain't forgiven her. Or God, I ain't doing this. And we just let our disappointment pass by or cause us to pass up our divine appointments. I mean, it's like the answer that you have maybe right in front of you if you would just open your eyes. And it was in that moment of disappointment, of dread, of 40 years in the wilderness tending someone else. I mean, I couldn't just, ah, that feeling. And it's in that moment that, that God reveals himself to Moses. And Moses, it says that God appeared to Moses in, the, in a bush that was burning with fire and it was not consumed. And it says, Moses, it says this, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I mean, for Moses, he wrote this book, and he says this. It's like, I don't know if he actually was walking, and then there's this bush burning. He says, I will now turn aside and see that this, oh, okay. I mean, it's like, sometimes you got to talk yourself into doing stuff. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you may feel that disappointment, that dread, that depression, that letdown, and sometimes you need to say, you know what, right now, God, I'm going to walk up to the front, and I'm going to believe for what God is saying to me right now. God, I'm not going to walk in disappointment and dread. I'm not going to walk being beat down any longer. Moses is like, I will now turn aside, and I'm going to look and see what's going on here. I mean, man. I mean, I'm not all about like the power of positivity, but sometimes we need to start saying some different stuff. God probably forgot about his calling. Moses turns aside and God gives him this assignment and says that I see, I see your heart, Moses. And now you're ready. Now you're ready to step out. Now you're ready 
to do this thing. Now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God speaks to Moses. I believe this. Says God, I believe that God does not give anyone a large task before testing their ability with the small one. Another point, God will test your ability to shepherd the little things before he will ever trust you with the greater things. If you think what you're doing right now is insignificant and not important, you'll never be able to move forward with God's greater plans for your life. You know, Moses throws up all the excuses that we all have. You know, it's like God gives us this task. Like, who am I? I've said that. Who am I? We have these other excuses. Moses says, you know, what am I going to tell them? When they say, who sent me? You know, they're not going to believe me, God. I mean, we all have our excuses, but how many of you know that we all also have a calling on our life? Last point, point number four. And then the worship team can come on up. I believe that what God is calling us to is always bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. I'm, so. What God is calling us to is always bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. And let me tell you how this, how this works, how this ministry thing works, how this faith things work, right? It, it, I've seen people who have great success in business and all that stuff, and they just try to go right from business to ministry, and it ends up in disaster. Because God hasn't tempered their heart. It's like just because you have talents and skills and abilities and giftings, I believe that God, what God is calling you to is greater than all of that. In fact, God is telling us to lay down our lives. And it's through obedience. It's through saying, God, I'll walk through this 40 years serving another man's vision, serving the shepherds. I will shepherd the flock of another man for 40 years, if that's what you have me to do to prepare my heart. Because God can't use your talents until he can trust your obedience. I, I, I just want to kind of let that sink in for a moment. That God can't trust your talents until he can uh, trust your obedience. Because let me tell you, those things will collide from time to time. I, I mean, you know, I can sing. I like to sing. I like to play music. But I can't just say, Lord, because I'm more talented or because I can sing better, I can't let my talents get in the way of my obedience to his voice. God can't use your finances until he can trust your obedience. I mean, you can, I mean, look, give and, and thank you and, and God's going to use that. But let me tell you, he can't use what the, the vision that God put on your heart for greatness. He can't do that until he can trust your ability to be obedient to his voice. God can't use your education until he can trust your obedience. He can't use your, your connections. He can't use your charisma. He can't use your ministry skills until he knows that you're going to be obedient to his voice. And I feel that now is the time that God is calling the church to radical obedience. To say, Lord, I will do what you say, when you say, how you say, even if that means selling everything I got and going to ministry school. Even if that means quitting my, my, my place at work so I can go sit under the, the leadership and ministry of another place. There's so many people in church who just get mad and leave and start a new church that they just end up raising up a bunch of mad people. Because they're not willing to serve under the vision of someone else to temper the voice of God in their life. See, God, Moses heard, he knew his calling. I'm the liberator, but he didn't, it wasn't tempered within him. Man, I was saved for 20 years before God called me to ministry. And I, I ate a lot of crow. I tended a lot of other people's sheep. Just, just because, God, you were tempering my heart. And still will. That's right, God, you tell me to go and do, I'll do it. See, God tended someone else's sheep for 40 years before he could be trusted to deliver a message. Let my people go. Because Moses never made the message about him. He, he never, he, it was always about God. And I believe that God is looking for those who would radically obey and believe the Son. You see, 
I, I believe this. I want to kind of end with this. That many, many people were told about this promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. But only a few showed up on that day of Pentecost. I just want to go to the book of Acts really quickly. Because if I, see, I see that that there's another burning bush incident. And, and, and it took some radical obedient people to say, you know what? We're, I mean, this don't look good, God. I mean, Jesus was on the cross. He came back. He went back. And he's doing all that. I don't know what to do. There's persecution. He, and, and Jesus said, but go and wait for the promise of the Father. And you will be baptized with fire. And he says, then you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you see, these, there was a few disciples who were obedient to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you said to do. And they go to this place. It's called the, the upper room, you see. And, and in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, you see, these Christians had walked with Jesus. They served Jesus' mission. They served his vision and his purpose, just like Moses. Many of them were outcast and, 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 and put out of the way. And they put their calling, their ministry on the side for a season so they can be discipled by Jesus. Jesus said to wait. It says, when the day of Pente Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Man, let me tell you, only obedient people can be in one accord and in one place. Because, because I've been in rooms where it's just a bunch of egos and personalities and they can't even agree on what they're going to order for lunch. Much less on what we're going to do in the kingdom of heaven. But you have a group of 120 people who are fully submitted to the obedience of the one who gave them the assignment, radically obedient, waiting until God did something. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, I believe that God wants to fill us with a fire that will not consume us, that we can be a burning bush in the world around us, that there will be those who are called according to God's will and purpose. And when we become that burning bush, they will turn aside and they will begin to see God move and they will begin to hear God speak through us not through our words but through our actions through the things that God does in us man I just want to be a burning bush for Jesus it takes radical obedience radical it's just obedience it's just that simple obedience it's obedience 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 it's like Lord where you go I go what you say, I'll say. What you do, I'll do. Lord, where, where you lead me, I'll go. Lord, there is nothing that will stop me from just following you radically. I'm going to do what you say, Lord. I'm laying aside my talents, my gifts, my abilities, my creativity. Because God wants to put a flame in your heart. A flame that cannot be extinguished. Well, God is looking for radically obedient people. You may not be there yet. That's okay. But God is speaking to you. I mean, this is what I want to do this morning. I want to take a moment and pray. Would you stand with me, please? Man, there's some of you who God have put something in your heart that you haven't seen fulfilled yet. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. How many of y'all have seen God's put something in your heart that you haven't seen fulfilled? God can use anyone. God can use anyone. God can use you. How many of y'all have God's put something in your heart and you tried it and failed? I did that today. It's okay. God can use our failures not to define who we are, but to refine who we are the same way that God used Moses' failure. It refined Moses. And I mean, Moses saw the wickedness of the Pharaoh, but was able to just convey the message that God put on his heart. So don't let failure define you. Well, how many of you are, whenever you failed, you got disappointed? 
I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're like, man, I've tried this church thing. I've tried this Christian thing. I've tried this pastoring thing. I've tried this ministry stuff. I've tried to get on the worship team, the host team, the this team, the pastoral care team. And it's just like disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I want to just say today, don't let your disappointment keep you from God's divine appointment in your life. God has not given up even though you feel like you've given up. Come on, how many of the, this is, this is, this is it. How many of you, the, what God is calling to you to do is bigger than you. Man, I, I, I'm telling you right now, man, what God, I believe that God is going to use, I mean, not just this church, but the church to redefine the course of human history. I mean, yeah, you know, like recycle and stuff, but my goodness, pray, seek his face. I mean, God's calling us to big things. And I feel like he's calling people in this room to big things. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray big prayers, big prayers. I I was reminded uh, uh, with me and Shannon were with our pastors a couple weeks ago and and he was like, man, we need to learn to pray big prayers. I mean, we need to pray for little Johnny to win the soccer game. You know, we need to pray for so-and-so to get saved. We need to pray for, for such-and-such to get a job. But he says, we need to quit praying little prayers and start praying big prayers like God told us to pray. He says, how about this? Pray, like Paul said, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God's presence in their life. I want to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to have the Spirit of God living within me. Man, that solves so many problems. I want to be a burning bush. I want to walk obedience to God calling. So this is what I want to do this morning. The worship team, don't just don't leave. I want to take a moment and pray with you before we leave this morning. I mean, the worship team is just going to lead us in a song of prayer, a song of worship. Would you worship with us? Come on, if you need some personal prayer, what I want you to do is while they're playing, would you just make your way up to the front? Come on, if you raise your hand and said, Lord, I am walking in some disappointment. I am walking in a lack of faith. I am walking in a place where I don't think I'm good enough. I'm walking in that. Would you just make it? We want to come into agreement and pray with you. So right now, as the worship team plays, just invite you up for prayer. And we're going to begin to pray for you here on the altar. And after that, we'll just say a closing final prayer here this morning. Amen? Amen. Worship team. Would you stay and worship with us?
Hallelujah. Come on, can we just extend our hands this morning? Lord Jesus, we are available for you. Lord, right now we just come to you. Lord, with humbleness of heart, Lord, not thinking that we are too much or too good. Lord God, that we've already been there. Lord, we will go around the mountain again if we need to. But Lord, we are here for you. Lord, we are we know that you have called us to greater things. You have called us to bigger things. And Lord, right now, we just pray that you silence the voice of the enemy that says we are not enough. Lord, we rebuke that voice in Jesus' name. Lord, we come against the, the spirit of disappointment, Lord, of discouragement, of distress, Lord, and we release a spirit of peace, a spirit of righteousness, Lord. Lord, that you would begin to speak our name as you spoke Moses' name. Lord, when we will turn to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we turn to you. Come on, right now, just right where you are. I, I know this is weird. I'm okay with weird. I, I just want us to pro do something a little prophetically. Come on, if you're willing to turn to the Lord, maybe just turn around right where you are. Just turn turn Lord I pray that in our obedience to just turn Lord let us let us turn to you the author and finisher Lord that you use us Lord you reignite the flame of the Holy Spirit within us Lord that we be a burning bush in our workplace we be a burning bush in our schools Lord we be a burning bush uh, in, 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 even in this church, Lord, let us be used by you to accomplish your will and purpose. Lord, that the church could be once again the deliverer of the world. Lord, that you have put your spirit within us to go and be your witnesses for the salvation of the world. So, Lord, send us, use us, equip us. Lord, put a fire within us. Put a fire that cannot be quenched. The fire of revival in our hearts, Lord. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Come on, if you agree with that, can you say amen? Amen, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord some praise this morning? Hallelujah.